Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sofa, everybody welcome, hello and welcome to show 723. I am your host, Tony C. Smith, I hope everyone is fine and dandy, happy new year. Yes, I hope you all are going to have a fantastic 2024, I'm glad about it. Believe me, I'm glad about 2023 behind, well and truly behind us now. So yes, it was it was actually quite a little bit of an emotional one for me. We stayed up for you know New Year, and it was always the case where you know in my mind I was kind of wanting to uh, exactly what I said. I like put 2023 behind us, and when that clock struck, you know what I mean. We're watching Jules Holland over here in the UK. We've got a a program that comes on every time it starts about half an hour before Jules Holland, the keyboard player out of the out of squeeze. It's like a Hogmany special, like a see the new year in. And yeah, when it hit twelve o'clock, you know what I mean? That, <laughs> tears began, the, the tears began to come there. So <clears throat> yes, we are twenty twenty-four and we're starting off with Michael Canfield. Yes, this story was actually original, appeared in Tailbones 35 in the summer of 2007. I'll give you a little heads up to Michael. Michael Canfield has published more than 30 short stories, appearing in Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, The Mammoth Book of Kaiju, Strange Horizons and other places. Now this story is narrated by Mark Nelson. Mark Nelson began audiobook narrations in 2006. And now has over 180 titles at LibriVox and recording as Harry Shaw, more than 100 for Audible. While Mark mainly records science fiction, fantasy and horror titles, he has also ventured into the classics 
Hugo and Doskodesky. I, I didn't get that right, did I not? So, Starship Sova is very proud to present. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Landing Day by Michael Canfield Tom Greer smacked the car radio off. Every station was covering the broadcast from 7.7 light-years away, but none, not one, had anything about his daughter about April yet. He fingered the barrel of a thirty-eight cradled in the cup holder. He needed a piss, but didn't dare get out to stand against a wall. Tom watched the bank through a filthy windshield, deciding he should have jacked a cleaner Lincoln. Beige drapes drawn across the front entrance, the bank stood in a parking lot behind a boarded-up mall. Across Illinois Avenue, a smatter of businesses hung on despite the crumbling economy. A liquor store, a subway, a dry cleaner with a broken revolving sign. None had opened yet this morning, not even the dry cleaner. Tom's watch showed 7.59. That looked right, but then the watch had spent the past twenty years in a manila envelope in a storage locker in a correctional facility. So what did it know? The bank would open at nine, but the manager should arrive by eight o'clock, like he did every other morning. At eight ten, Tom switched on the radio to see if they would mention his daughter April yet. I'm too old for this shit, he thought. Seven point seven light years away, through the wormhole, Lieutenant Colonel Hank Lopez, commanding, separated the landing module of Starship Unity and fired its jets. Accompanied by Mission Specialist April Greer and leaving Ugetto and White in orbit, Hank Lopez guided the lander through wispy clouds, above small oceans and low mountain ranges. Spectral analysis indicated vegetation scattered through the temperate zones. Hank set the lander down in a shallow valley. Through the generous viewport, he and April Greer became the first human beings to see life on another world. Despite its colorlessness, the valley displayed a mosaic of wonders. Frozen whites of permafrost swirled upon the ground, yet beds of long grasses thrived, 
their gray blades bending in the breeze. Low-white shrubs, sprouting at discreet distances from one another, sported gray blooms. Beautiful, thought Hank, beautiful. He wiped the view-glass where it fogged. Speaking just audibly, he gave thanks. April stayed solemn while he finished, which he appreciated. "'I never took you for a religious man, Hank,' she said. NASA crews worked under informal protocol. April, a scientist, not a military officer, reported to Commander Lopez, though she called him Hank as a friend. "'Not religious,' said Hank. "'Grateful.' He had much to show gratitude for. Safe arrival and the wormhole's discovery for two. The wormhole fell past Earth's solar system at the right angle and velocity to spirit ship and crew partway across the spiral arm, not the angle and velocity to swallow sun and nine planets whole. He did not give thanks for that now. He gave thanks for pockets of life amid the colds of space. Imagine what tourists will do to this place. We're a long way from that. He didn't answer. Ugeto radioed down from orbit, announcing an imminent network feed from Earth. Each signal took twenty minutes to reach the lander. Twelve minutes from Houston to the wormhole, eight minutes from the wormhole to the New World. April sifted some note cards. Hank repressed a smile. He'd spoken for broadcast occasionally, but nobody really wanted to interview him anyway. April straightened her flight suit. The public loved their mission specialist April Greer. NASA loved the publicity, and telejournalists salivated over her story of triumph and tragedy. A CNN broadcaster's vibrato filled the lander. Born in the slums of Chicago, she went on to win the gold for her nation in Madrid. At the height of athletic achievement, this young American turned away from swimming and towards science— earning her doctorate in biochemistry by twenty-eight. Today, her drive to be first continues. Now the young champion embarks on mankind's greatest adventure. April Greer, what are your thoughts this historic moment from the other side of the galaxy? April laughed and corrected the interviewer. We haven't come quite so far. The Milky Way's a hundred light-years across. I'm speaking to you at less than eight light-years from downtown Atlanta— almost next door. Tom Greer couldn't stand the waits between the messages from space or the time-filling babble of the announcers. He clicked the radio off again. The bank entrance had a white card taped to it, which he couldn't read because he tossed the wrong prescription glasses issued to him in prison. The blurred card didn't matter. Banks closed only on holidays, guaranteed. He could get out and read the card, but if the bank manager turned up then— Tom would lose the advantage of surprise. At twenty past, he said fuck it. He expected he could climb out, read the sign, take a leak on the bank, and still no manager. An SUV pulled into the parking lot. Out hopped an Asian guy Tom had seen before, keys in hand. Tom clutched the thirty-eight, then looped the empty duffel strap over his shoulder. The bank's entrance had three locks— the Asian guy squatted to unlock the base first. Second, he reached high for the top lock. When he turned the tumblers in the middle lock, Tom jumped from the Lincoln. Three strides later, he stabbed the gun muzzle in the guy's spine. Tom seized a fistful of windbreaker and pushed the guy inside. 
Keep your hands behind your head. Don't look at me. He made the guy relock the door and disable the alarm. With wire cutters, Tom took care of the security cameras himself. It only took a second. To the guy, he said, Stand against the wall. You will open the vault. I know about the twenty-minute delay. Don't tell me it won't open. You're late, so work fast before anybody shows up, and I guarantee your safety. Start now. I can't open the vault. Tom watched sweat bead on the guy's neck. He pushed the muzzle deeper. Don't tell me that. I've had a bad morning. His bladder threatened to burst. I... I don't work for the bank. I'm with the cleaning company. Bank's closed today. On Friday. Nice try. I came to clean. I'm supposed to come on weekends, but the holiday. Holiday. The guy resisted turning around. Landing day. For the landing. The guy wore chinos and under the windbreaker a polo shirt. No monkey suit for him. In the past few weeks, Tom learned how people dress now. Maybe bankers didn't wear ties anymore. Where's your janitor stuff? The guy nodded to a closet in a corner. What about the shiny four-wheeler outside? Business is pretty good. About to piss himself, Tom couldn't think. Kneel down. No, no. Tom loosened his grip on the windbreaker. You're okay. Keep your nose touching the wall. Tom looked around for one of those ashtrays filled with sand, but they had no smoking signs posted instead. You couldn't smoke anywhere but prison now. Never mind, a tall green plant in a terracotta basin decorating the lobby would do as well. He went to it, unzipped, and unleashed a stream into the basin. The plant turned out to be plastic. The basin was solid, with a few wood chips covering the top. Piss overflowed it and ran to the floor. Who cared? So fucking good. His eyes became slits. He ignored the hostage, who didn't move. When he finished, he went back to the door and snatched the white card. This branch will close Friday, October 12th, to celebrate Landing Day. We will open normal business hours Monday, October 15th. Thank you for your patronage. Stand, he told the guy. The guy pressed himself up, nose to the wall. He shook pretty bad. He'd been thinking about his situation. A little piss sure spooked him. Tom tossed the white card, then plopped in a crappy orange chair by the loan-rejecting desk. He rested the thirty-eight on his thigh and pushed air through his nostrils. What's your name? Lee. What do you know about the setup, Lee? The setup? Ever try to get in the vault? Of course not. Here's the thing, Lee. I need money. I need money so I can disappear. You nor anybody like you will ever hear from me again. How do I get that money? I don't know. I don't know. If you force me to, I will kill you. Why did they force him? Lee's legs wobbled, but he remained upright. You got a TV or radio here? Lee cheated left, perhaps to try and watch Tom unnoticed. Lee? Take the keys to my SUV. It's brand new. Radio. I... I think there's one behind the teller stations. Get it. Keep your hands at your sides. 
Lee edged to the teller stations and found a portable radio. He held it at arm length, elbows locked, waiting for further instructions. Give it to me. Lee inched close enough and Tom snatched it, then slammed it on the desk. Don't you want to hear the landing? Lee's shoulders slumped. I ask you, said Tom, the kid up there, the girl. But he didn't finish the sentence. She'd be okay, wouldn't she? Hank placed a boot on the New World's ground. A mountain goat might thrive in that thin atmosphere, but Hank had to tote his air. Besides the breather, he wore a hooded thermal suit, gloves, and goggles. The cold stung his exposed cheekbones, the first alien breath upon human skin. At half a G, Hank easily jaunted twenty paces to the base of a slope where the nearest shrubs lay, and the beds of long grass. The grass moved while breezes whistled through it. Hank knelt. Blades weren't gray, as he thought, but translucent. And the small blooms on the scattered shrubs were clear, too. The shrubs' branches looked fragile as campfire ash. The sun peeked over the crest, blinding Hank with glare. He raised a hand to adjust his goggles darker. The branches quivered and shied away from the movement. He passed a hand an inch above the tallest blades of grass and watched them bend away, like water rippling. Turning back to the lander, he glimpsed April Greer's face in viewport. He didn't bother to stop grinning. The breathing apparatus would mask it anyway. Throughout their training and mission, she became the daughter he never had. A long time ago, he chose career first. He never regretted it, but now an irresistible bond formed. Through April, he accepted himself. He accepted everyone. Ugetto, White, and even the six-billion-killer apes watching on TV. Every living thing connected to every other, even here, especially here, in this revealed corner of the universe. The blooms and the branches, and the grass at his feet. Overwhelmed, he checked the breathing gauge to make sure he got his mix right. April opened the comlink. She used the closed frequency. Mission Control would hear, but not the general public. Everything okay? You checked your tank. He gave the thumbs up. How's the walk? These shrubs will come apart in your hand. Had enough? Come on in. It's my turn, she teased. Hank wagged a finger. Patience, mission specialist, patience. Not in my vocab. I'm genetically disposed to shooting first, asking questions later. Save the chatter for your fan club. If you use up any more oxygen, I'm leaving you here. She didn't return his banter, but glared at the horizon. Commander, she said, eleven o'clock. Hank turned. The breeze rose. Three rounded, wispy membranes, each a meter or so tall, silvery transparent in the sun, glided down the slope. The grass bent for them. In an instant, only a single shrub stood between Hank and the membranes. Involuntarily, he stepped back and ducked. The membranes cleared the shrubs, sprang ninety feet in the air, arced over Hank and the lander, then away. Wow, said Hank. April hit the open comlink and related the phenomenon they had as a species witnessed together, assuming the lander's motion-detecting cameras moved fast enough. 
April began using clear language to describe what she observed and nothing more, as she'd been trained. Wow, thought Hank. Wow. Tom Greer dickered five minutes while the radio played. Something didn't click with this Lee fellow. Nevertheless, he had to take whatever cash Lee carried in his wallet, tie him up, ditch the Lincoln, and try again in the next state. Fuck, I'm old, he thought. With drapes drawn, the bank lobby couldn't be seen from the parking lot. Good thing, because right then a key went into the entrance door. The manager. Tom pressed finger to lips in warning to Lee, then crouched behind the desk. The door opened. Two Asian women came in, a big one and a little one, mother and daughter maybe, yapping away in their sing-song language. They toted buckets and gloves, Lysol and mop and glow. The daughter carried a battery-powered TV by its handle. Her attention never wavered from it, even while babbling to the old lady and swinging a bucket. The old lady cried out when she saw Lee against the wall in the shadows. She shouted something like, Mr. Nguyen! Tom stood up. He didn't point the thirty-eight, but made sure they saw it. Now the daughter screamed. Shut up, you two! They obeyed. Evidently, they watched enough TV to know to put their hands up when facing an armed dangerous man, because they raised them, buckets and TV dangling. Put that shit down. They did that, too. Tom made them sit on the floor. He went to Lee and grabbed him by the throat. He attached the thirty-eight's muzzle to Lee's jawbone. Lee? She called you Mr. Nguyen. He stammered. We, we work together. All three together. They have their own cleaning stuff with them. Why don't they use the stuff you said's in the closet? I don't know. Don't shoot me. Don't shoot. His knees buckled. Tom pinned him against the wall, keeping him upright. Lee's forehead banged a wall plaque, which clattered to the linoleum. Tom spoke to the women. Is this man with you? The old one blubbered. The daughter turned white. Settle down, he shouted. I won't hurt you. Lee covered the plaque underfoot. "'Pick that up,' said Tom. Lee closed his eyes, then obeyed. Tom took the plaque from him and scanned the golden nameplates. One read, Lai Nguyen, assistant branch manager. Lai Nguyen, or Lee and Nguyen the way Tom heard it. So the big boss took the day off to watch the space landing. But some guys have to get ahead, don't they, Mr. Lee Nguyen?' Lee fought to speak while gulping air. "'I wanted to tell you. I don't know why I lied, but once I did, I couldn't get out of it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.' "'You can still get out of it. You all can. You did a good job, but the bank's insured anyway. Cooperate. They would tell you to. You know they would.' "'Thank you. I'll cooperate. Yes.' To the women again, Tom said, "'Sit like you are.' Don't move a muscle. Here. He kicked the daughter's blaring TV to an angle where both women could see. The sudden motion made the daughter jump toward the old lady's lap. Tom held forward a calming hand. Watch the program. It'll be okay. Eight or ten new membranes gathered at the crest, then floated down the slope. They must be alive, said April. Let's not get ahead of ourselves said Hank, though he thought it too. 
They came back and brought friends. Look at the gauge. There's no wind. They're moving themselves. They can't weigh more than a few ounces. Wouldn't take much atmospheric motion to carry them. And we don't know that these are related to the three we encountered earlier. As before, the grass bent away while the membranes floated above. I wonder if a static electrical field could cause that, said April. Everything here's so symbiotic, so ethereal. We've only seen a sliver of the planet, Hank reminded her. Another score crested the slope. Hank estimated thirty altogether. The nearest dozen closed on the lander. Their clear bodies reflected the craft's exterior. Hank, I see. The membranes quivered. Not in unison. Some managed it faster, others struggled to make the slightest progress. Gradually, though, all the membranes changed. They drew their walls in, narrowing themselves into oblongs. From the oblongs, limbs separated. Heads. Inarticulate and ghost-like, unmistakable nevertheless. April beamed. That's a hello. Tom watched for the slightest trick, but Lee behaved and punched in the vault's combination. Defeated, he then shuffled over to sit with the ladies. Tom slumped in the orange chair and checked his watch. Twenty minutes till the steel door swung open. April's official NASA portrait filled the tiny TV screen, catching the daughter's interest. Huddled against her on the floor, the daughter babbled to the old lady, maybe assuming Tom couldn't understand. He didn't need to know their language to pick out two significant words. "'Thomas Greer,' she whispered. The daughter watched too much TV. She must have seen the program, and April's picture jogged her memory. A couple weeks ago, Inside Edition, or one of the others, broke that astronaut Greer's blood father had been paroled after serving twenty years for murder with special circumstance. The circumstance was murder during an armed robbery gone wrong. Tom hefted the thirty-eight. The girl was April's age. No, April must be older now. The girl couldn't be more than a teenager. Like April, when she visited him the final time. She said she wouldn't be coming back, and he understood. At sixteen, an emancipated minor, she could do that. Her mother and her swim coach lost the right to tell her what to do. Tom himself never had the right. This girl was that pretty young age. Too bad she recognized him and flung herself in the way, because this was what needed to happen when he left the bank. First, a detour to the nearest graveyard. He would search the headstones for a baby who died innocent half a century ago. He would take that innocent's name and lead its blameless existence. Buy a little cabin somewhere in Canada and work on old Harleys. America's most wanted, prison, and witnesses didn't enter into it. On the daughter's TV, the tinny announcer talked about an open door on the next chapter in human history. Books had chapters, doors didn't, but that's TV talk for you. The astronauts were deciding who would moonwalk and greet the bubble creatures. The vault opened. Tom told Lee and the women to stand. He marched them to the vault, then tossed the duffel bag on the floor. They filled it with money packets as Tom pointed out the ones he wanted. 
Thoughts of gunpowder's smoky afterburn and the stench of blood distracted him. The duffel seam stretched with all the money. Lee had to squeeze the duffel with his thighs to pull the zipper closed. When they finished, Tom kicked the bag clear. He made the three lie on their bellies. Lee figured out what was going to happen and begged for his life. The old lady had never stopped crying. The last time he killed somebody, the one time, he thought it would be the one time, he didn't mean to. The gun went off because guns go off, and that's why you never point a gun at anyone, and that's why you never rob banks, because people die even if you don't plan for them to. These three had to die. They knew him. They had to die. Not one thing in the world would prevent that. No one would ever know. April would never know. The girl first thought Tom. She'd be the hardest. He buried the muzzle in black hair because he had to. Because he wasn't going back to jail. The daughter lay stone-faced, cheek on linoleum, staring at the TV through Tom's legs. The TV announcer shrieked. More spirits, as she decided to call them, came down the slope. Hundreds surrounded the lander and changed to delicate humanoid form. April bit her tongue but stayed out of the debate transpiring between Hank and Mission Control. With the twenty-minute lag, the discussion, though lively, lacked coherence anyway. Between transmissions, April said, "'It's our call, not NASA's.' "'We're discussing options.' She fidgeted. "'They're friendly. We should be out there. One small step for man.' "'Or a woman,' said Hank. "'Look, you're the biochemist. Not to mention the geologist and the meteorologist. I'm the taxi.' "'It's your command,' she said. She would accept his decision for the mission's good. "'You're scheduled to walk now,' said Hank. "'If you don't want to, I'll pull rank. "'But I've spent a career bolting down panels on ISS. "'Coming this far is more of a privilege than I ever deserved. "'Besides that fact, I can't think of a better Earth ambassador than you.' Hank's trust made her glow inside. She grabbed some gear. "'Let's do it.' He stopped her. "'April, you know the Armstrong story.' "'Which?' The first words on the moon? He was supposed to say, One small step for a man. He rehearsed it a thousand times, and he still made one small mistake. Jitters, of course. What I'm saying is, I will. I'll be careful. She suited up, racing to time her walk with the next transmission. She wanted to capture every moment for history. Ready to open the comm link on your go, Hank told her. Maybe because Hank was as good a friend as she ever had, she said something more. He was a bad man. Why should she think of that now? she come so far from all that. Hank looked incredulous, and she realized he'd misunderstood her. No, not Neil Armstrong. My dad. My father was a bad man. He killed somebody. You're not him. Maybe not. We come in peace she said. We come in peace. She closed herself in the airlock and showed Hank the thumbs up. She strapped on her mask. The stored air tasted like refrigerator. Her earpiece hissed as the comm went live. You're on, 
said Hank. April stepped from the lander. The spirits bobbed in silence. So many. They reminded April of dry dandelions that kids blew on and scattered to the winds. She took a hesitant step toward them, crunching permafrost. Her faintest movements caused the spirits to bobble in the air. One spirit floated nearer. April extended her arm sideways, slowly, hoping to convey peaceful intention. The spirit raised its semblance of an arm in mirror motion. On the instant, others followed. The gesture worked back through the multitude. April held still, waiting to see if the spirit would counter with a gesture of its own. The wind picked up. The spirits bobbed and bounced a bit more. April spread her fingers, feeling no breeze through the thick glove. She longed to embrace this being, to entwine herself with it. The spirit moved its hand toward April, or the wind moved it. April never knew which. Their palms touched. The spirit burst. The membranes burned away. Death climbed the slope as each spirit touched another behind it. Blackened remnants swirled in the wind, all that remained of the gathering. April's mass did not block the stink of nitrates and sulfur and charcoal filling the emptied valley. The calm lake in April's ear pounded with chaotic shouts. Hank ordered her back. Ugetto from orbit, reported a global, repeat, global temperature spike, 2.2 Celsius. A surface spectrogram, bluish-white one instant, flashed red, as if flame engulfed the virgin world. April vomited into her breather, then pulled it off. She coughed and gasped in the thin atmosphere. Trying to clear the air hose, she dropped to her knees. She tried to scream in the thin air, but sound didn't come. Did I touch them? Or did they touch me? Tom snatched the TV. What's it mean? The daughter didn't answer. He squeezed a fist of hair, made sure the gun's muzzle stung her cheek. What happened? All dead, burned away, cried the daughter. The girl, what happened to April? She dies. No! Static broke down the images. Tom made out the other astronauts suited up and coming to April's side. She got her air hose back on without assistance, and the two stumbled toward the ship, arms linked. The male astronaut stammered and announced they were okay. The image turned to snow. NASA reported losing contact due to rough winds. Tom smashed the TV. Lee sat up. His eyes blazed. "'You have money! Now go!' Kill them, he told himself. Kill them, or you won't survive. Don't be a sucker. You will go back to jail. April will know what you did. If you kill them, no one will ever know. Tom stuck the thirty-eight into his waistband. He looped the duffel strap over his shoulder. He grabbed the daughter. Leave her be, Lee shouted. Shut up. I'll let her go at sunset. If I hear one siren before then, I will kill her. If you ever tell anybody my name, or if you ever describe my face, I will come back and kill you all. Lee and the old lady continued to protest. Tom shut them in the vault, not that it mattered. They could trip an alarm any time they wanted from in there. Without killing, he couldn't stop them. The spell that transfixed the daughter faded. She started sobbing. 
Tom dragged her into the parking lot, to the Lincoln, and shoved her across the front seat from the driver's side. She huddled on the floor. Tom squeezed the duffel bag over the headrest into the back seat, then jumped in. Reversing the Lincoln over blacktop and asphalt, he spun the wheel and gunned to the on-ramp. The interstate was Sunday morning empty. When the needle hit ninety-one, the Ford started to rattle. "'I'm almost good,' said Tom, meaning he could make the border by sundown easy. But they'd have roadblocks up long before then. He tried the radio. Nothing more yet. He wanted to keep her with him always, but in a bit she would stop crying and he would have to pull to the side of the road and allow her out. She couldn't be with him in the dusk of landing day, when the sirens would scream, the red lights flash, and the free road end. Soon. When the TVs got turned off and the cops and the robbers and the bankers and the spacemen all went back to work. The suburbs faded, replaced by geometries of bowing grain. The world, the wheat fields and the fences, blurred by. And there you go. Kicking off, Michael. Thank you so much. What a story. What a story indeed. Thank you. And Mark. Again, kicking off 2024. Nice to have you on first. First one of the the year, sir. It's a pleasure. I wish I could give you a big hug. So that is it. That's the show put to bed. Listen, it's the beginning of the year, I swear to God, and we are scraping the barrel, kind of, for funding and that. I know the... Oh, who do you call? I forget what they're called now. Who actually use for the, the host of the website. That bill's going to come in either January or February. And it's just huge, to be honest. And, and do we need a website? I know we do. Yes, we do. But God, it's expensive. So, and actually, it would be nice if there's any volunteers who could put together a new website. Ours is looking very old. It's the same one we had in 2007, man. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's one of them. So if anybody's in there who wants to volunteer, <laughs> because that's the only way it's going to get done. If anybody wants to volunteer and put up a website, that would be a lovely little donation. And if anybody wants to help, support, honestly, either PayPal, just a one-off, or the 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 Patreon, do you know what I mean? The Patreon just it, it just makes it just last. You know what I mean? We can just kind of once it comes in every month, that's the best best way. So it would be fantastic if you can do that. Until next time, just like to say, good night from me. Thank you for listening. Time soon, can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio. I wanna talk to you. This signal's going light speed. By the time I get my say, I might already be on to you and on my way. But you're so far from here. Best I'm moving slow, so I'm waiting on your call at home with nowhere to go. Can you reach me? Is 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.